All right, so welcome to tonight's Tanya class. We are studying Tanya. We're in the last section of Tanya called Kuntus Rachrein. And we are in the fifth section. So we're coming to the end. So we're going to have a big celebration. We're going to complete the whole book. We had a few celebrations with each section. But now we're on the uh, last section, the fifth chapter. Okay, so tonight's chapter is a very, very powerful and important chapter. And a very empowering chapter. Um, and very Kabbalistic one as well. So, tonight's chapter is as follows. It addresses an issue we all know you're supposed to learn Jewish law. Because it says that God, ever since the temple was uh, destroyed, where is Hashem found? In the four cubits of halacha, of Jewish law. So, the, um, the author is going to discuss here, why is it crucial to study all of Jewish law before you pass away. Can you imagine? That means you got to study all of Jewish law before you pass away. Don't, don't, don't panic here, everyone on me. But that's, that's what we're going to study about tonight from a Kabbalistic perspective. So, so you might initially be shocked, but on the contrary, after you study, you'll be empowered to do what you're supposed to. You don't know you're supposed to do it. For everybody. For everybody. Okay. All right. <clears throat> So if you remember last week in chapter 4, we learned that there are certain halachot, which are positive commandments, which apply to us. There are certain negative commandments, but there are certain halachot that like, are hypothetical things or never really happen, never will happen. But nevertheless, they have a certain place on a spiritual level. This week, the author was going to explain that not only is it exists on a spiritual level, but literally by studying Jewish law, of things that maybe don't apply to you, or maybe never happened or will happen, but by studying the Jewish law, you're actually actually elevating the holy sparks of Oilam HaToyhu. And as we discussed last week, in short, Oilam HaToyhu is when originally God created the world, so he was uh, extremely generous, and he wanted to rain us down with all the blessings. So there was tremendous, powerful light that God put into the world. And because Hashem put this powerful light into the world and the world wasn't able to receive it, there was something which is called a shattering in the vessels. And that's something which is called Oilamatoyu, which means there was more light than vessels. More light than vessels. So every time you study Halakha, you're elevating the holy sparks of Oilamatoyu that came down to this world. Okay. Now, so the author explains like this. Anything that's forbidden in this world, or even on, from a halachic perspective, so what happens like this, where does it get its life force? We know Hashem created the world, and Hashem maintains the world. So anything that exists, anything, thought, speech, action, anything that exists in this world, everything comes from Hashem. But if something which is forbidden, don't do this, don't do that. If something which is a sin, a big sin or a small sin, how does it exist? So it exists from something which is called klipot. Klipot means the shell, which is the outer part. Mm-hmm. Not, the, not the internal uh, energy, but it comes from something which is called a shell. And later on in the chapter, the doctor will explain actually the, the flow of the energy. In other words, because if it did not have a source of life, how would it exist? So it exists from what energy? Something which is called klipot. Even a prohibition that never happened, but it's prohibition, don't do it, 
And maybe possibly it will never happen, but the fact that it could exist, how does it exist? It exists from the energy of the klipot. Obviously, if it's forbidden. Okay. Now, why is that so? And the author explains like this. Because even of a sin that never happened, and maybe never will happen, everything comes from, and I'll say it in Hebrew and I'll translate it, everything comes from something which is called chachma ila'ah. Now, chachma <coughs> comes from the word of chacham, wisdom, the first one of the zero, that you start counting chachma first. Ilah means a very, very high level. That means every single mitzvah in the Torah, whether positive or negative, whether it existed or it didn't exist, or it will or it won't exist, if it's in the Torah, everything comes from this level called chachma ilah. Now, this level chachma ilah, anything that you study, Come, was given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Mount Sinai. Why? Because the famous line in the Talmud says that Kol, I'll say it in Hebrew because it's a famous line, I'll translate it. Kol Masha Talmud Vasik Lachadish. Anything that anyone's ever going to study or come up with an idea or a halacha, whatever it may be, everything was given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. And the author explains, for example, we find in the Talmud, um, there's a famous rabbi, Rabbi Yirmiya, and he would ask all these hypothetical situations, these questions, like these weird and unique things that maybe never happen, never will happen, but he asked these questions. So the Atterba says, guess what? If it's brought down to Talmud, that means, even though it didn't happen, but it's a hypothetical situation that he brought up as a question, so since it's a question in the Talmud, it also comes from where? Sinai. Sinai, but from where? <coughs> Chachma ilah. Obviously from Sinai, but it comes from the level of Chachma Or, for example, in the Talmud, they bring up these interesting questions, like, for example, like this. We know if someone gives, gives, gives born to a firstborn, so it's, we need a pidyon ben. So they have these interesting questions in the Talmud. And why do you need a pidyon ben? Because it goes through the mother's womb. So the question is, what happened if there was like a sleeve that the child went through, and it didn't touch the womb? Is it still considered a firstborn? Even though it's like something which is like, how's that going to happen? And other these interesting questions, but the point is whether they will happen or they didn't, or if they're even possible to happen, if it's a theoretical question that, that's brought up in the Talmud, and that's something that you're studying in the Talmud, guess what? That all comes from Chachma So everything, everything comes from the level of Chachma Now, Chachma is a, a term for, we know from the Sirot, there's Chachma bin Adas, right? Chesed word, Tvaras, Natsukhaz, and Malchus. Chachma the first. Chachma ilah means a very, very high level of Chachma. Now, where does Chachma ilah get its life force from? It gets it from something which is called Ur Ein Saif, the infinite light. So the infinite light goes into Chachma ilah, and from Chachma ilah comes down all the halachot, all the mitzvot, positive, negative, if they're possible to happen, not possible to happen, they all go through the chain. So again, anything positive, negative, possible, not possible, if you're learning about it, comes from Chachma ilah. And where does that come from? It comes from, the energy comes from the Oyrein Saif, the infinite light of Hashem. Now, so the author quotes from the Zohar. It's Kabbalistic words, but I'll say it and I'll translate it. Famous line in the Zohar, it says, Abba, Yosad Barta. What is Abba? Abba refers to Chachma. Why is Abba referred to Chachma? Because what does Abba mean? We all went to kindergarten, right? You have the Abba and the Ima. What's the Abba? The father. And the father resembles Chachma. 
Abba is the father. Yosad um, goes into Barta. Barta is referring to what? To the idea of Malchus. In other words, Abba reference to Chachmeilah goes down into Malchus. Now we all know we say Friday night in Pasuk Aliyah before Shabbat starts, the piece from the Zohar there that says that Malchus, Malchus, the sphere of Malchus is Peh, the mouth. Now, what is the idea? So, Malchus resembles, on the spiritual level, the, ma- the mouth, which is also resembles what? The idea of Torah. So, in other words, Abba Yisar Barta means that from Chachma, it goes down into Malchus, which Malchus is what? Referring to the idea of studying Torah. And from there, we know the Torah exists on many, many levels. So, for example, we know how many worlds are, worlds are there. There's the world of Atzilut, the highest world, one that's closest to God, <coughs> Bria, already creation, Yitzira, formation, and then the world of Asiya. Torah is learned in every world, obviously in its level. When you learn Torah in Atzilut, wow, it's a whole different set of glasses. It's clarity. Obviously, you go down to the world of Bria, there's already, you're learning the Torah, but not necessarily the same clarity. This world of Yitzira, Less clarity, and obviously in the world of Asiya, the least amount of clarity. Like, we know the difference between Talmud Yerushalmi and Talmud Bavli. In Talmud Yerushalmi, it's very, very short. Why is it very, very short? Because there's much more clarity there. Versus in the Talmud Bavli, people, you know, were a little, they, it was darker, it was more complicated, more convoluted. They didn't have clarity, and that's why there's much more discussion and arguments and so on and so forth. So obviously, the less arguments, that's a sign of clarity. The more the arguments, so when someone's arguing, it's not because of clarity. It's because of because the light is off, so you're arguing. If, if the light is on, you don't have to argue, you see what it is. So, so the Torah comes down on every single level, the world of Bria, the world of Yitzir and Asir. So in other words, the flow of Torah is Eirein Saif, Chachmeilah, to Torah, mitzvot, positive, negative, things that are theoretical, things that are practical, and then obviously it applies what in every single world. Now, these klipot that we said that the negative commandments or things that don't rest you know that are theoretical sins big small they come from the klipot so the question is everything comes from hashem so what does it mean the klipot where did the klipot get its life force so the author is going to explain to us now very interesting where the klipot get its life force now to explains like this we know that the way hashem created the world so how does the life force come down to us it comes through the spirit you have the 10th spherot. You have Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gevura, Tiferet, Znetzach, Hod, Yisod, Malchus. And through that we get, our, that's how we get spiritual light. Through the 10 holy spherot. Now every sphera, you have the sphera, and then you have the things that leach onto the spherot. Like we call them, you know, sitting in the back of the bus. Or a backseat driver. So you have the guy that drives up front, the person that drives up front, you have the backseat driver. Always has an opinion. Right? With the bleachers, and the guys in the stadium, not the players. So the klipot get its life force, and I'll say it in Hebrew, from achayrayim. Achayim means behind, sitting in back, of the sirot. Now, specifically, where do they get it from? So we know, for example, the sirot or the sirot, that's the powerful life force. Again, every sphere of what it is, chachma, bin, adas, all the ten sirot. Every sphere has a garment, has a lavush. So the lavush is not the sphere, the sphere is the sphere. The garment is what goes around the sphere. So the klipot get it from achirayim of the ten sphereot, from the garments of the sphereot. We're in the worlds of Bria, Yitzira, and Asir, not, not from the world of Atzilut. And more specifically, they leech on more, in the, obviously, in the lower worlds, in the world of Yitzira and Asir. So everything that exists in this world, even the sins, it gets its life force. Otherwise, you couldn't sin. 
But where do the sins come from? It gets its energy from a charayim, the back part of the ten sfirot, and specifically the sphere come down to Bri, Yitzir, Asiyah, and specifically the world, the world of Yitzir and Asiyah. Now, so what happens like this? To have a clear picture we have till now, even though it's heavy Kabbalah, what we learn till now is that everything in this world comes from where? Eirin Saif, Chachmah into the Torah. And, that cre- and then you have the things that you, sh- you should be doing and the things that you shouldn't be doing. The things that you shouldn't be doing, all the sins come from the klipot, and the klipot basically get its life force from the outside of the sphero, because we want to get from the sphero itself, and, or from the garments of the sphero, obviously, of the lower worlds. Now, what happens like this. The klipot is not the place you want to get the life force from. You want to get it straight from the source. You want to get it straight from Hashem. So what happens is like this. When you sit down and learn Jewish law, so think about what happens when you're learning Jewish law. You're learning halacha. This is kosher. This is not kosher. This you should do. This you shouldn't do. This you should think. This you shouldn't think. This you should All the halachot, what you're doing is you're actually separating. Good, no good. Kosher, not kosher. Okay, not okay. So what do you? So that's on a physical level down here. But what are you really spiritually doing when you're learning halacha? You're separating what's from the world of klipot, and then what's from the world of kedusha. So when you sit down to learn halacha, you're literally creating a separation, a boyer. You're separating between kedusha and klipa. By doing that, what are you doing? You're creating clarity. It's very clear. In other words, what's the purpose of halacha? So people look at, I can't do this, I could do that. That's a very narrow way to look at it. What you're really doing by learning halacha is you're learning what comes from Kedusha 100% pure, pure, organic, raw, natural, vegan, whoever the modern terms are, obviously on a spiritual level. And then you have the parts that are klipot, you know, with all the infestations and all the, uh, all the, you know, the terms for stuff that, the part that we really can't necessarily elevate and it's coming from a low level, low, not pure, etc. When you learn, you're actually separating the two. So as you're learning, you're separating the two. So here comes a very, very powerful question Dr. asks. Jewish law states clearly, this is okay, this is not okay. This is kosher, this is not kosher. Very, very clear defined. No. So everyone has Jewish law. Everyone has a shulchan aruch in the house. Or today you have it on your phone, or you have it in the internet. So wonderful. So the Jewish law created the, created the the separation. Why do I have to learn it? Why do I have to learn it? Because we have to create the separation. Halacha came, said this is kosher, this is not kosher, this is okay, this is not okay, this is good, this is not good, this is what you should think, this is what you shouldn't think. So it says so. So it's so mission accomplished. Like why do I have to learn it? So the author explains like this. He brings down a very, very powerful uh, piece from the, from the Talmud. Talmud says like this, that, um, let's say, for example, there was someone that was very, very holy. Very holy. Talmud brings this example. Very holy, very godly, someone that studied a lot of Torah, someone that lived a very, very holy, beautiful life. And you find that the children don't uh, follow automatically in their path. I think in English it's called the generation gap. But simply speaking, you know, you live a certain life, you dedicated your life to life for Hashem, but your kids aren't following your path. So Talmud says, like, and they bring quote, you know, from this, 
certain people, like what happened? How, where was the disconnect? So Talmud says like this, not a judgment. Talmud says the reason is that What does Borchu mean? It comes from Bracha. Because when they study Torah, these holy people that, that you see, that they study and they learn and they teach and they're God-fearing, right? The Talmud says, because they didn't make the blessing before they studied Torah. That's what the Talmud says. What does that mean? What does that mean? They didn't make a blessing, therefore the children aren't going to follow in the footsteps. So we know that according to mysticism, it's ex follows. What does bracha mean? What is the idea of bracha? So bracha, everyone translates what? Blessing. As? Blessing. A blessing. That's why in English you translate as a blessing. According to bracha, bracha, what does bracha mean? Bracha comes from mavrich. Mavrich means very, very simple. Let's say you have a pipe going from the, from the main water line to your house, and that pipe brings in water. That's how you have water in your house. So you put on the faucets and the shower and the bathtub and the kitchen and the sink, whatever, and you have water. Life is good. What happens if that pipe that's coming from the outside, whatever it's a, I'm not a plumber, a half inch, a quarter of inch, a full inch, whatever the size of the pipe, and all of a sudden the pipe gets clogged up. You open up the faucet, no water coming out. Beautiful, fancy house, no water. What happened? And the answer is everything is good. But the pipe that's going from the main water source to your house is clogged. You don't need a new pipe. You need a new pipe? No. You need to clean out the pipe. That's, 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 you just got to clean out the pipe. Mavrich means you got to clean the pipes. So a blessing really is not creating anything new. A blessing really means that your life really should be great and you should be blessed and everything should be wonderful. The problem is there's some kind of cloggage between the source of the blessing and your life that you need all your material and physical and spiritual possessions, you don't have it. What, God doesn't want to give you everything? Sure, God wants to give you. The problem is that there's a clog. So you need a blessing. A blessing is like a spiritual rotor-rooter that cleans out the pipe and the blessings can come running in. Now, to be clear, there's times when something's not in store for you. That's when you need prayer. Prayer basically has the power to create new pipes. If you need a new pipe, a whole new pipe, that's prayer. But, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's pretty, that's serious stuff. But if, if your pipe is there, just clog your bracha. So bracha draws it in. Now, in other words, what does that mean practically? So, so now, so bracha means to draw, to draw it in. So what, the, what does it mean that they didn't make the blessing? It means very, very simple. When you study Torah, you can study Torah. It's a, I learned something that was interesting. I like what it said. I didn't like what it said. I have a different interpretation. It was a nice commentary. I appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it. What are you hearing the whole time? I. I liked it. I didn't like it. I, what does it do with Hashem? You can be reading another textbook. You can be reading history. You can read, any, you can read mathematics. What does it do with Hashem? So Baruch Hu Torah means that when you're studying Torah, we know before you study Torah, every single day you make the blessing. Baruch Hashem Meaning to say is, I'm making a disclaimer. I'm not studying interesting Torah. I'm studying Hashem's Torah. Before you study Torah, every single day, you got to stop and say, why am I studying Torah? And the answer is because Hashem's Torah. So Baruch Torah means that you're drawing down the infinite light of Hashem in the studying Torah. Versus you can sit and study Torah days and nights and weeks on end, months on end, years on end, and not even recognize it as Hashem. Oh, this is interesting. I like this halacha. I don't like this halacha. Oh, this piece of Kabbalah is interesting to me. What does it do with Hashem? Nothing. So what, he's, what the, the Talmud is saying is, you know why, unfortunately, 
the children didn't follow because they weren't studying Hashem's Torah. To you, it was interesting, and your kids, it's not interesting. However, you were studying it because of Hashem's Torah. Guess what? Everyone loves Hashem. So, in other words, when we study Torah as Hashem's Torah, what happens then is we draw down the infinite light into the Torah. Now, what happens when you study Torah because it's Hashem's Torah, and now you're drawing down the infinite light of Hashem into the story you're studying, then that has the power to elevate. So in other words, like this. In other words, like this. Based on that piece in Talmud, the Altar was saying is, what do we see from that piece in Talmud? That's not just enough to study Torah. It's important before you start studying Torah to draw down the infinite light of Hashem into the Torah. And then you can elevate. So in other words, like this. So when you're sitting out to study Torah, why are you studying Torah? If you're studying for the right reason, because Hashem's Torah. Which means you're opening up a channel, you're cleaning out the channel, that the infinite light of Hashem should come into what you're learning. Now, if you're focused and you created that energy, that infinite light of Hashem is here. So let me ask questions. Does it make a difference what you're studying? Positive mitzvot, negative mitzvot. If it ever happened, if it didn't happen, if it might not ever happen, it's, it's irrelevant. Because you're studying the focus of Hashem's Torah. Now, when you're focusing on Hashem's Torah and you're drawing in the Oyer Ein Saif, the infinite light, guess what? That's the most powerful energy you can bring in. And that energy has the power to elevate everything. In other words, it can elevate positive commandments, negative commandments, commandments that apply to you, commandments that don't apply to you, commandments that maybe never existed or will never exist practically, but when you draw in Hashem's light, you have the power to elevate. So in other words, the fact that Hashem gave us a Torah and in Halacha it says clearly this is good and this is not good, that doesn't do any elevation. But when you study Torah, that creates elevation. The altar explains something really, really powerful. Now, so what happens, you're sitting down, this is really, really, I think this is so important. Why don't you sitting down, obviously we're on a whole different level now. Because we're on a place where, where we're studying Torah, not just we're studying Torah, we're drawing down the infinite light, we're inviting, we're learning Hashem's Torah. So Alter shows you what happens when you do that. And this is really great. You walked in, you said a whole different uh, wardrobe, right? Uh, right? So listen, this is a whole different wardrobe spiritually. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. So it's like, we'll match you up for this. One for one. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. So what happens when you sit down and study Torah? You know what happens? As we sit down to study Torah, you know what? It's fascinating. In the higher worlds, and we'll talk about soon where, there, you have a mirror image of you. A mirror image of you in the higher worlds that's sitting there and studying Torah. How do you activate it when you sit and study Torah here? So anytime you sit down and you say, okay, I'm, I want to study Hashem's Torah. You got to, I mean, otherwise, otherwise, you, talk, otherwise you, you can be learning science and the architectural stuff. But when you say, <laughs> I want to study Hashem's Torah. So you just now, whoa, you flushed out that pipe, you created a direct connection, and the infinite light comes in, and you sit down with it. It's Chumash, Mishnah, Talmud, whatever you're studying. And you start studying. Guess what? Your counterpart on high, in Hebrew it's called your diyoikin ha'elyoin, an image of you, a mirror spitting image of you on high is sitting and studying exactly what your Torah. So right now, all of us sitting in this room and those that will be watching, as you're learning Torah, your counterpart in heaven is sitting there and studying Torah. Look at the power we have. We have the power to draw in Hashem's light and we have the power to engage our better half. This is a really our better half. A real better half. 
that's sitting and studying Torah in its source, and the author gives the address. <laughs> I don't think I want to go there. I'll tell you what the author says. He says, Benukva, which is in the female component, of Zeir Ampin, the small face, which is the, the six midot. So if you ever want to take a journey, just know where it is. It's nice to know. In Nukva of Zeir Ampin, right there, your better half is sitting there and studying Torah as we're sitting in. So it's, think about that. We're not only engaging ourselves, we're engaging higher powers that are by the table right now and studying Torah. See how powerful it is when you study Torah? Powerful stuff. Now, so we're clearing out the pipes, bringing in the infinite light, we're engaging our better half on high that's sitting and study Torah, and because we're studying Hashem's Torah, we are elevating anything that we're studying. And therefore, based on this, out of says like this, you ready? When you sit down to study Torah, so we know we have a physical body, which is, I call it a suitcase, but within it we have our neshama. And we know the neshama has five levels. Nefesh, that's when we're just, like, we're here. We showed up. Ruach already is when we're engaged emotionally. And neshama, right, nefesh ruach, and neshama is when we're engaged intellectually. So therefore the Altar says, when you sit down to study Torah, not only your suitcase should be here, which is your body, but you should be engaged physically on your nefesh level. You should be engaged on a ruach level, on an emotional level. You get excited about it. And you should be engaged on the neshama level, all three levels. And every, and you're, because if you're sitting and just <coughs> listening, okay, what time is the class over? That's like one third of an engagement. But when you're emotionally charged and you're smiling and you're happy and you're intellectually engaged, so that's the way to study. So that's just because what we're doing is so powerful, we have to engage ourselves in nefesh ruach neshama. We have to learn every one of the 613 commandments and if you think about this, after I learned this chapter, I realized, oh my gosh, you see, the Rebbe really saved us. The Rebbe saved us. Because the Rebbe instituted that every single day we should study the Rambam or the Sefer Mitzvot. And if you study the cycle of the Sefer Mitzvot, however it's, you know, it's divided up, every single year you learn all the 630 commandments. The 248 positive, the 365 negative. If you do it from the Sefer Mitzvot, you learn literally the mitzvah, the mitzvah, which is okay, and maybe a little commentary. And every year you learn all the 630 commandments, like, like Altam says you have to do here, which we'll soon see why. And besides the, besides the mitzvah of learning Torah, I'm talking the mitzvah of completing, knowing all the halachot. Now, if you do one chapter of Rambam a day, so it takes you three years. But the, the preferable way is to learn, if you're able to, three chapters of Ramanis a day, and they have it in Hebrew and English, they have it in every language you want, they have audio, video, I mean, there's so many classes on it. So you study all 630 commandments every single year, it takes a whole year. So you can do it in the Sefer Mitzvot version, or the, or the Rambam three chapters. Either way, so you have an obligation, the Altar says, to engage yourself, Nefesh Ruach Neshama, but to learn all 613 commandments, but guess what? Not only to learn it, but you have to, when you learn it, you have to think about it, thought, you have to engage your thought. You have to actually say, when you're re- learning, you don't just like, <laughs> like you're reading a book, think it, you have to actually say what you're learning, speech, in action. You gotta put action to it. Whether it's physical activity or just acting out with the mitzvahs, the point is you have to learn every one of the 630 commandments, nefesh ruach on the level of thought, speech, and action, and then, not finished yet, we know there's four different ways, glasses, to see every single halacha. 
pshat. The simple pshat, what Allah is saying, is the remez, the different remazim, different uh, codes that Torah is trying to teach you, Jewish different homiletics, and the side, the, the, the uh, Kabbalistic insight. Every single halacha has a Kabbalistic ramification to it. And there's many, many powerful books that explain each, on each one of these levels. So that's the homework the altar was saying. You have to engage yourself, nefesh ruach neshama, to learn all 613 commandments in <coughs> thought, speech, and action, and on the level of pshat, remez, drus, and Said. Guess what? There's no vacation for anybody. Mm. <laughs> We're going to be learning 24-7. This is what we have to do. Why? 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 I mean, you just want a job. Why? We're not, we're not, uh, and the reason is very, very simple. Because when you learn all the halachot, what are you doing? You're elevating those 288, rapach, those 288 holy sparks that is all out the world, in the world. The only way you elevate is by learning halacha. And again, Nefesh Ruach Neshama, 613 commandments, thought, speech, and action, Pshat, Remes, Drush, and Said, and by doing that, you're elevating it. Now, here comes the punchline. So let's say you live your whole life. 100 years, 120, 100, whatever you live on this world. And guess what? You only did a certain percentage. You can decide for yourself what percentage it is. Whether it's 10%, 50%, 80%, 95%. But that's your mission. You have to learn all the halachot. And you didn't learn all the halachot. You never signed up to study Rambam every day for whatever reason. Or you did, but you skipped a few days. You know what happens? You got to come back. You got to come back to this world. You got to be born again. You got to deal with the birth and growing up and all life's whatever. In Hebrew, it's called Gilgal. You got to come back, reincarnated. So we are the cause of our reincarnation. Why? Because we didn't finish our job. Powerful chapter. In other words, the author is showing us that the reason why we have to learn every halacha, because by learning the halachot, we're elevating the sparks. And if we don't learn every, every halacha, how are you going to elevate all the sparks? There's going to be some missing. You're going to come back. Who wants to come back? Don't, I don't say halacha. I want to come back, but I'll see you guys. <laughs> right? So if you don't want to come back, start learning halacha every day. Get it, get, do the cycle of Sefer Mitzvot. They even have kids Sefer Mitzvot. They start real young. They have Sefer Mitzvot for kids. It's really, really good. If you want, after the class, I'll give you a, a link. You can get an email every single day, and it's very, very easy. They go through it, and it, within a year, you got them all. So, and then they have Pshat, Remez, Drusay. But let's start. You know, you got to get the checklist off. Because listen, you're gonna have to be back. Who wants to come back, right? Now, but here's interesting. Fine. So our job in this world in this world is to elevate the holy sparks. Again, the way we elevate it is by learning halacha, nefesh ruach neshama, 630 commandments, thought, speech, and action, and shat remes jerusalem sight. Let's say fine, Baruch Hashem. Mashiach comes, that means we, we all did a great job. That's it, we elevated the 288 sparks, life is good, life is wonderful. So what happens then? We're not going to learn anymore about the commandments? Because there's no elevation? And the author explains as follows. Doctor explains like this. We will, the main study then, the main study, the Ikar, the main, will be to learn the 248 positive commandments. Why? Because it's positive. Positive comes from the right side, from Chesed. That will allow our Nefesh, Ruach Neshama, 
our body, a suitcase might not be here, but our nefesh ruach and shama is still going to be around to elevate it higher and higher. So you can say, how high could it go? The answer is very simple: till oyrein seif. It can be go to the infinite light. So when Mashiach comes, the main study is going to be in the two hundred and forty-eight positive commandments. And again, the purpose is not to trans to elevate holy sparks. All the holy sparks will be transformed. It's to elevate it to the oyrein seif. Now, um, on the other hand. On the other hand, we all, we still will nevertheless study the 365 negative commandments. So you're going to ask, why do you have to study it? We elevated all the holy, negative is means because it's negative and you have to elevate it. Why do you have to study? Because we know that there's something which is called chesed, which is kindness, and the 248 mitzvot come from chesed, five levels of chesed, and the 365 come from where? From the five of, of gvura. Now, the truth is that gvura might sound like it's strong and it's harsh, but the truth is in the whole, in the whole, in the spiritual world, gvura means on the contrary, it's like an overflow. The reason why it's strong because it's it's a high dosage. It's a high dosage of kedusha. Now the problem is, so so it has like it's a catch twenty two. On the one hand, it's a tremendous dosage of kedusha, but on the other hand, it's like for example, let's say you need a drink of water. Take an eight ounce cup, take a, a bottle, you put some water in there. Life is normal. But let's say you're, by, you're thirsty and you're out in, the, uh, in Israel and in Gedi and you're thirsty and it's coming down gushing and you put the cup and it literally obliterates your cup. You have tons of water, but the cup is obliterated. So where do you have more water? In the, cu- in the little bottle or in Engedi where it's gushing down? Sure in Engedi, but no problems, you can't use it. So you want to sweeten it. You want to somehow figure out a way how to take that water, which probably tastes much better, it's much healthier, it's more natural, and to get in the cup and use it. So the idea of learning the 365 commandments, even though it comes from Gurot, where it's tremendously overpowering because you want to sweeten it and you want to, um, you want to merge the negative with the positive. And ultimately the goal is that that to the, the negative and the positive will be all in line and the ultimate part of what? The idea of chesed. And that's how we say that the Torah, for example, is everlasting. It's forever. Why? Because, in other words, the, the 248 mitzvot we're going to study when Mashiach comes, and the 365 negative commandments also has its place. We're in the five gvurot of Kedusha. So ultimately, even though we're going to be finished the transformation, but the Torah itself will still be learning. Because we have to elevate higher and higher the positive, and the negative we have to sweeten and unify together with Kedusha. As, uh, and the author explains on a spiritual level why it's so important to sweeten the negative. Because we know that, for example, the, uh, what, is the neg- what is the negative mitzvot the Gavur represent? So the author explains that the negative re- represents the blood, because blood is red, right? It's, it's, it's fire, that gives life force, to the, not to the light, but to the vessels of Zeir Ampin, the small face of the Midot. So the Midot, the vessels, get its life force from where? From the, from the negative commandments. So when Mashiach comes, we'll still be learning Torah. To go higher and higher, that's one, on one hand, with the positive commandments, and B, to sweeten and to transform the negative and bring it in to Chesed. Because ultimately, it's really what? All about Chesed. So as you can see, this chapter of Tanya is a very, very important chapter. First of all, it inspires you and it motivates you to start learning halacha. 
Start learning Rambam, Sefer Mitzvot, Rambam Three Prokim, and to learn all the all the halachot. But not only learn it, just saying, reading it, like you're reading Gantav, you know, like Ashrei, but really learning it. Because you have to learn it, you have to engage, you have to learn all the commentaries, because this is our mission. We have to elevate the holy sparks. And the quicker we elevate the holy sparks, our avoida, our work in Galat is going to be over. So it's extremely important before, as long as we're alive, to constantly learn halacha. And in Mitzvah, even when Mashiach comes, we'll still be learning halacha. Why? Because we want to go higher and higher and higher, and we're finite, and obviously Hashem, Oyer and Seif is infinite, and obviously there's no, there's, there's no limit to our spiritual growth. That's on the, on the positive commandments, but even on the negative commandments, we want the ultimate, the goal is really to sweeten everything. Everything should be unified, everything should become one, all in the world of Chesed. So I want to wish you all luck and blessings to learn halacha, all the halachot, and this way we'll elevate all the sparks so we won't have to come back again.